Welcome to episode 42 of Casting the Net. In today's episode, the guys continue their discussion on Lent because while we are still in Lent, a couple key takeaways from this episode, they talk about how things seem small when monotonous or ordinary. And that may seem obvious, but of course, they go into a great discussion on that. And secondly, they talk about the importance of having moments of silence, which I think is particularly important to remember, especially in Lent and especially in our busy lives. It's just a great lesson and it's a great thing that they remind us of in this episode and they talk a little bit about why that's important. So great episode today, episode 42, Casting the Net. Hi, I'm Father Dave Nuss together with Father of Four, Rick Lingva. Welcome to Casting the Net. We are in search for catching the faith. Hey, friends, we're back at it. I'm Father Dave with my co-host, Rick, and we are delighted that you are taking a moment to share in the conversation that we know as casting the net. Mm -hmm. It's the desire for us to grow deeper in love with the Lord and to grow deeper in love of neighbor. And the Lenten season in which we are living is a great opportunity to make advances. Yeah, yeah. And, and We've been talking a lot about attachments and detachment and there's, you know, astrophysics, escape velocity, oh, a little bit of everything. <laughs> you, would, you wouldn't believe the ground we, we've covered. C.S. Lewis, school parking school lots, parking <laughs> lots. <Man. laughs> don't, I don't feel like you've wasted uh, you know, 20 minutes listening. That's casting the bat. We're going to throw so many things <laughs> out there. It might, not all, it might not all stick, but we're going to throw a lot your way. <laughs> No, I, um, I just, you know, to be clear, disordered attachments, there's nothing unique in this time about disordered attachments. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we've talked a lot about what, what makes it difficult as a modern Catholic, as a modern Christian, the attachments that arise uh, today. But because human nature is what it is and it doesn't change, I mean, human yeah. beings have always struggled with attachments. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, I think. For me, Charles Taylor has been helpful in highlighting, okay, what, what is it about here and now that what, what sort of attachments flow uniquely from the circumstances of, mm. of the modern world? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we, we, we pinpointed last time that, um, that so many of our attachments actually serve or can serve to, uh, to an objectification of our neighbor. Mm -hmm. Right. And in, in direct violation mm -hmm. over and in, in direct disregard for the great commandment mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where I see you as neighbor as a category, whatever that category may be. And I right. reduce you, um, albeit in a um, in a limiting, uh, narrowing, depersonalizing way. Mm -hmm. Right. And I speak I speak about you as neighbor more as that than I do yeah. as you. Them, them over there. Yeah. Harkins Martin Buber. Yeah. To me, a little bit the old uh, phenomenologist from the 20th century, the French, yeah, phenomenologist yeah. and uh, philosopher. Jewish, correct? Yeah, he yeah. was. Yeah. He was. He was. Um, I'll just. I won't go down that avenue, but I have. <laughs> I have <laughs> well, wonderful well, recollections yeah, of what I read. Was enamored with Very much so. Very so much you're, so. You're in good company. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. He was. I was blessed to be introduced to Martin Buber. Oh, you met him? No, introduced oh. to his writings. <laughs> Let's not, no, but in that same... Uh, you had a beer with him? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. 
but by a Thomas, get started. A Thomas, uh, a Thomas in my in my undergraduate years, of, um, you know, great uh, scholarly uh, university professor and, and uh, recognized uh, um, expert on on the thought of uh, Thomas Aquinas, hmm. who was deeply stirred by the writings of Martin hmm. Buber. So, in uh, in a philosophy class as an undergraduate, that's where he. Buber was introduced to me. Oh, okay. and I'm really, as you sign up for a class like that, you don't see that coming. No, no. the Jewish phenomenologist. That's right. <laughs> I, I thought it was, you know, 13th century yeah, you're gonna get a, <laughs> theologian. Yeah, you're going to get the Damascus, the, the Jewish phenomenologist. Yeah. yeah. So the, the attachments I find um, lessen their hold on me through the practices the traditional practices in lent of mm. prayer and fasting and almsgiving that when they're when they're smartly selected which means prudentially chosen um you know that that struggle with prayer uh maybe i'm just not showing up to pray maybe i'm just distracted in time that i'm together rarely does a quantity have to significantly be increased mm. usually yeah. it's about the quality Right. Of of the encounter with God, yeah. you know, less me, more God. Maybe a little more intentionality. More intentionality. Yeah, I mean, just yeah, just as we in, in our in this moment look each other in the eye as we as we share in conversation. Mm-hmm. So too, that's at the heart of prayer. When I think prayer is lively, yeah, and supercharged with grace, right, and attentiveness, uh, an expectation that the Lord is hearing me and wishes to respond, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. I'm not just dumping off a to-do list to the Lord in prayer, right. <laughs> not not as a mature Christian, but engaging the living God so that I can be informed by God what I am to be about, and especially what I'm to be about in the short term, you know, in this moment, in the next hour throughout this day. Yeah, it just seems like so so much of um so much of growth and holiness is a matter of letting God do in you what He wants to do so desperately anyway. Yeah, it's simply getting out of your own way. Yeah. You know, and I mean, that's that's one of the things that Lent is about. Yeah, that desire for God to be active within us and for us to come to respond to him. I I, I find that powerfully portrayed in the epic encounter that Jesus has with the Samaritan woman, mm. which we hear in the Lenten season. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately for some, it's a gasp that we actually are going to hear 42 verses in the fourth chapter of John's gospel. I mean, yeah. as if this is Atlas himself pushing up the, the, the boulder, yeah. you know, it's just too much. It's just too much. Our attention spans I mean, can't take. I mean, we get a little more of the gospel on a Sunday and, yeah. and uh, I'm already at a disadvantage with the preaching that follows. Right. 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 How dare, how dare we have wait, wait, the a woman just left. Can we stop there? <laughs> right. The right. Story? But, but, but the disciples were with them before and after. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> but with that, even the Lord's, the Lord's own thirst, the God of the universe, who's almighty, right? Yeah. Believe in God, the Father Almighty. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have thirst. Right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> he only can be thirsty by making himself thirsty. Right. By, In other words, by entering into yeah. 
human by, weakness by taking on a human nature by taking that needs on to human drink. nature yeah. not as a not as a um, a false uh, act right. but as a real incarnation yeah to experience a weakness thirst a pining for thirst that in the encounter with the Samaritan woman he's wanting to identify with her in this way and reveal to her and through her to all of us who are broken, who are wounded, who ourselves feel judged, scorned, ostracized. She's she's alone at the well. And she's alone at the well because the others have judged her as such. And um, I'll just stop there. Yeah, Father Jason pointed out in his homily on on that... uh, that reading. Father Jason Colley, the pastor, oh, yeah, the pastor of Little, of Little Flower, Flower right. in Toledo. He is one of the great priests, one of the it great was, young was, priests we have. It was a brilliant insight. He said, you know, she, she's there in the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day. She is there most likely because she knows no one else will be there. Right. I mean, she's, a, she's a woman who That's has, you know, a checkered past. Yeah. Um, she's ashamed. She doesn't want to be ostracized. So she goes at the hottest part of the day. And she knows no one else will be there. Squalid reputation. She, she's There's a, no other time. She she's a faceless woman. Oh yeah, right. Carrying, I mean, carrying on previous episode. Yeah, she, uh, she, she wants to be anonymous. Yeah. And Jesus is there waiting for her. Yeah. For her. Well, she's become, she's become anonymous. I mean, they don't speak about her by name. They speak right. about her by um, deleterious action. That's right. 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 And so you know, just. You know, piggybacking on what we discussed um, in previous episodes about uh, objectifying others, you know, falling to that temptation. Like it's, it's interesting to place myself in that gospel and how how would I have treated that woman, you know, mm-hmm. in my worst moments? Mm-hmm. Would I have given her a reason to want to go to the well in the middle of the day? Mm-hmm. You know, um, yikes! You just convicted me. Or 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 would I have let God? You know, give me a face and see who she really is, despite her, despite her sins, mm-hmm. um, because Christ sure is there. Mm. I mean, he wants more than anything mm. to bring her home, bring her in relationship to him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I like to think that that I would have offered a Christic response to her, but I, there are no guarantees. Yeah. You, you had mentioned in our previous episode about the relatively small world in which you live as a mm-hmm. stay-at-home dad. Yeah. And it makes me think of this gospel story, this this account mm-hmm. with Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Because day after day after day after day, she does what? She makes her way to the well. Goes to the well yeah. I mean, in a sense, monotonous yeah. routine. Mm-hmm. Right? Very small world. Yeah. Right? Huh. And and does so, of course she does so alone. Yeah. She does so exhausted. Uh, the most demanding part of the day, a physically taxing uh, ordeal, um, carrying the the containers up and back, and of course, back full. Um, and yet it's in that ordinariness. It's in that small orbit, if you will, a lonely for her, yeah. an exceedingly lonely orbit yeah. that Christ presents himself, hmm. right? Had she not been in that orbit, that was so small. Yeah. She misses him. But he it's precisely there that he presents and says, I'm thirsty. 
Yeah. And we know that that thirst, while it would have been a physical thirst that he would have um, truly been expressing, right. we know that the real Some thirst is for her yeah. salvation. Yes. Yeah. Thus mm-hmm. the offering of living water or flowing water, a powerful uh, image of the Old Testament itself, known immediately to the to the hearers of the early gospel, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the, uh, the impact of what that meant, right? Yeah. No less than the living God. Yeah. Well, now I'm convicted. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, your, your, uh, yeah, your, your point about, uh, you know, meeting Christ in the ordinary. You know, yeah. I've, I've revealed on previous episodes that, you know, it's, and it's a human tendency for sure yeah. that we, we wait for the next big thing. Yeah. And in doing so we miss life. Right. You know, we miss, we miss, Right. Where God is actually trying to meet us, which right. is the ordinariness, just, you know, the daily routine. Right. There's a, um, you know, in, in, in the religious life of the Benedictine order, as I understand it, I mean, you know, most religious orders, as I understand it, they take vows of obedience and vows yeah. of chastity, chastity and, poverty, and obedience. Benedictines also take a vow of stability. Mm. Isn't that the case? I think so. And think so. it's because there's a very human inclination or tendency to when we get restless we want to move on Mm. and so this is this is a very humane insight from the benedictines which effectively is saying you're going to stay here and you're going to meet god in in the life that you have been given you're not going to run to the next yeah but i don't want to (laughs) (laughs) i want to decide (laughs) no you're you're going to stay here with this community and you're going to meet God through through us. You may have had the chance to experience that today in four children. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> to remember, which you said, no, you're know. going to stay part <laughs> no, of the family. I don't want to stay here. <laughs> it's I, never, I never thought of a, the life of a, a stay-at-home father as, Bened- as a Benedictine ex- experience or existence. Right, right. right. Application of uh, your, secular um, stability. That's right. Third you're, order stability. I mean, you're, you're spot on. That's 100% correct. Well, it was your insight. I was just casting. Well, some you, were, you were perfecting it. <laughs> <laughs> but it gives me hope, you know, in a, my orbit. Well, I might, I might um, interact with more people directly in a daily basis than you. It's still, it's still seemingly small when it becomes routine mm-hmm. and ordinary. Um, the, the, there is a monotony that all of us. Uh, it, experience you know this yeah. is the same thing we're doing yeah um in some sense even uh, mass offered daily is yeah. is very similar yeah. i mean it's very similar the, the while the, there's adaptations of prayers to correspond to the the use of different scriptures there's a there's a structure that actually for many of us is very comforting because mm-hmm. it's predictable oh, i believe it <laughs> Yeah, the there's no, no surprises coming. There's no surprises. There should never be a surprise at the mass. That's a bad right? sign. That's a bad sign. If you're surprised <laughs> at mass, it's a bad sign. Right. right. That was an innovation which isn't allowed. Yeah. But that being said, you know, that can be uh the noonday, that can be the noonday experience or or the noontime experience of drawing water. Mm-hmm. Um, where gosh, I'm at it again. I'm doing it again. I yeah. can't believe this again. Um I'm tired of this at times, you know, yeah. whatever that might be, whatever that is. Yeah. So I, I have it in my life, even though there may be more people yeah. with whom I'm interacting. Well, it's, it's the difference between Sisyphus, you know, futilely pushing his boulder 
uphill only yeah. to have it roll back down. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I said and Atlas earlier. You're right. Yeah, well, uh, I, I, I didn't catch that. Atlas yeah. holds he's the holding, world. He's holding the world. Right, 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 right. Uh, Pushing that, it up. That's all what he's condemned to do. And yeah. it's futile, and it's yeah. a torture, a torment. Yeah. Um, and Christ, who, you know, yes, he dies, but through his death comes life, comes yeah. comes fertility. Amen. There's nothing futile about it. Yeah, that's yeah, right. So whatever, whatever apparent or seeming drudgery you're experiencing during the course of the day as the opportunity to give to give life to bring forth life just as the the grain of wheat that falls onto the earth and dies gives forth life and the desire for that life to be infused into us and to return to the maybe the central tenet in our conversation a life that is infused from the living god into the ordinary yeah into the routine into the drawing water day after day after day that we do that maybe we've thought God isn't interested. He's passed me by. Um, Maybe he disapproves of me because Mm -hmm. of something that I've done and I'm living in that guilt or that shame or that remorse that actually is an attachment. I choose to be Mm -hmm. victim. Uh, I choose to be self-absorbed. I don't believe that God's power to forgive or to be merciful could possibly be greater than something I've done. Yeah. Right. And the devil will leverage that every single yeah. moment. Yeah. That's brilliant. I mean, it's all grace. You know, it's the difference between Sisyphus and Christ is grace. Amen. You know, um, grace, which again allows us to see God and to see the world the way God sees himself and the world. Um, and so to avail yourself of those opportunities mm-hmm. through sacraments, through prayer, mm-hmm. moments of recollection. You know, it's, it's again, yeah, for me, it's silence. That's a, that's a biggie for me, Yeah. you know, and, and that's, that's not easy for everybody. I, I think, you know, it's easier for introverts than it is for extroverts, but we all, I think we all on some level know we need moments of silence, yes. we need periods of silence during the course of the day yeah. and to use those, those opportunities well, Yes. Um, as opportunities to open ourselves up to grace, which mm-hmm. will, which will transform, which will give us faces, you know, to quote Lewis again. Yes. So that yeah. we can see. That's right. That's exactly right. And to not be afraid to ask for that and to set out to live each day expecting God to respond to that request that we mm. have. Yep. Yeah. Friends, he's Rick. I'm Father Dave. We have really enjoyed having you join us today. And for those who have been able to participate in this series that we've had on the great season of Lent with, with hopes <clears throat> and with prayers. Uh, that it has been fruitful, a fruitful experience for you as it has been for us, forecasting the net. Friends, he's Rick, and I'm Father Dave, a dad and a priest, together trying to become better fathers by catching Christian faith. Thanks for joining us for our conversation, and we hope that you'll connect with us next week for Casting the Net.